1: Hey, folks, welcome into Hans Waveland presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. This is the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadav Sharma and Patrick Mooney, uh, riding high on the uh, unique excitement that is a win at Wrigley Field, which it may sound like a joke, but the Cubs have not experienced that in about a month. Uh, if you hadn't, if it hadn't become a 13 game losing streak at home, would you have been able to recall offhand? I, I frame it like that because I presume you guys have, have since seen what the last win was. But like, would you have remembered off the top of your head what the last win was at Wrigley Field? And I challenge you, dear listener, if you haven't seen it yet, th- start thinking, what was what was the last win before before last night's Rafael Ortega 2 run home or walk off win?
2: I, I wouldn't have known, but I, I heard it. We we were talking about it in the dugout a few days ago, right before they lost, whatever it was, tw- number 12, uh, or number 13, I guess. What day is today? Yeah, yeah, number 13. 13 when they was, lost the record, was the record setter. Yes, was it, so right before that, uh, we, we were talking about what the last win was. Uh, so I know. I know what it was, Moody, and it do was you also know? a walk-off. Do you know what it was? Oh, he just said it. God, what's wrong I'm no, no, I'm sorry. Uh,
3: I will give credit. I believe I read it on Bleacher Nation uh the other morning <laughs> uh, of what what it was and I was kind of blown away just cuz I don't know that feels like 3 or 4 months ago. Like I, I can't my brain can't <laughs> comprehend how much has happened since t- then yeah. in every aspect of the Cubs
1: operation. It's didn't you write a completely different team. Yeah, didn't, didn't you write something that was like chronicling all the things that have happened in just like the last three weeks. And it was, I mean, it was like bullet points. I'm like, Oh my God, it is crazy how much has happened. Like obviously. So, so we're referencing it was the Javi walk off against Amir Garrett. You know, he did the little sweeping motion with the bat and he, you know, stare down. I mean, it was at this point, I think it it was the 26th, I think. So it's almost exactly a month ago. And um, since then, as we have obviously Broken down on this year podcast, uh a lifetime's worth of change has come to the Cubs in that time. uh You know, chief among them, the emergence of Frank Schwindel. So I, I just want to make sure we put that at the top. But, um, so yeah, that it is was buddy Pete Schwindel. <laughs> Did you call him Pete Schwindel?
2: I definitely, uh, I definitely, when we were in Colorado and it was my first time covering the team post-deadline, I, uh, I was like looking around, talking to a couple other writers. I'm like, okay, we got to figure out who everyone is and naming some people. Okay, Romine. Okay, uh, Pete Schwindel. And then I like immediately stopped myself. I'm like, that's not his name. <laughs> it's, uh, we'll, I'll get it. I'll figure it out. No, uh,
1: so. Something so, yeah. so
2: we called him Pete. Pete. I mean, it's Colorado something
1: equally uh, standard, I guess you'd say. Although, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe there aren't a lot of Fra- Are there a lot of Franks in the big leagues right now? I actually don't know that there are Uh,
2: right now. No, but I mean, you know, there's a couple big name Franks, Frank white, Frank Thomas.
1: Well, and Schwindel is going to outpace all of them. Frank Robinson, Yes. Frank Frank Robbins. There you go. These are very minor players compared to Frank Schwindel. Let's, (laughs) let's be clear. Uh, so like I said, Cubs finally won. They, they broke a 13 game home losing streak. Uh, go Cubs go ringing through the concourse for the first time. Uh, in about a month, Michael Hermosillo saying after the win, uh, I believe I read that he, he wasn't aware that the Cubs had a game winning song. Uh because well they, they haven't done a lot of winning lately. So how could he know? This
3: guy who grew up a huge Cubs fan is posted as like, oh wait, we got a theme song? Saying to the manager.
1: <laughs> well, well that's a that's a new that's a new thing, right? They just started that this year. Um so okay, set that aside. Um, you know, and i I will deal with the cognitive dissonance of at once appreciating the end of a losing streak, appreciating a good walk off win, while also thinking deep down in the recesses of my mind, how dare you blow a loss to the Rockies at home? I mean, that is <laughs> that is like the that is is like a sacred, rare, beautiful thing if you could lose a game at home to the Colorado Rockies this year and, and the Cubs blew it. How could they blow it? Um, we got some longer term stuff to discuss with you folks today. Um, we can certainly dig in on the game by game action. You know, if you want to send us an email at ontwavelend at gmail.com and say, hey, guys, can you talk more about the nitty gritty of these deeply important late August games? Uh, but we want no. there, there's <laughs> we will not we that. will immediately <laughs> delete those emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes. Just kidding, just kidding. That uh, that request was rhetorical.
0: But if you <laughs> wanted us to
1: talk about things like, for example, Nico Horner's role on the Cubs going forward and what other roster maneuverings would mean for his role, that is something we can get into, and we do find it interesting. And it's a topic that is at the fore right now a little bit because, as most folks probably know at this point, uh, so Horner has been out with an oblique injury that sort of faded into the background because it happened right around the same time that all the trades were happening at the deadline. And it was sort of a, oh, okay, he's going to be out for a little while. Who cares? Everybody's gone. None of it matters. But it did matter because we would like to see Nico Horner back for as much as possible because at this point, this is a guy who has seen big league experience in three seasons, including the very first in the full year after he was drafted and yet has seen precious little total experience in those three years in the big leagues because of injuries and because of the shortened season last year. And so for him to get an extra month and a half or whatever it would have been upon his return is really important, particularly after Javi Baez is traded. It would have been an opportunity to see Horner play every day at shortstop and just sort of, you know, gather some data, get some input there on on what he can and could be for the Cubs. And, this uh, setback, whatever you want to call it. He's in his first uh, rehab game at South Bend. Cuts an at-bat short because he feels tightness in his side. The right thing to do, man. Anytime you're dealing with an oblique, you cut that shit short if you feel anything. For all you listeners who are professional baseball players, that's that's my caution to you. I heard it on the to Waveland podcast. I'm supposed to stop swinging. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> it again it brought his role to the fore at least in my mind not because this was such a severe setback or whatever he you know david ross said it's possible he'll be back to rehab game in a week or two instead it it was sort of the collective realization that i think came to a lot of people that for as much as we regarded the trades of javi Baez out the door nick madrigal in the door as sort of like setting up oh okay so nico's probably gonna be the shortstop going forward that's what they're thinking and or maybe you know he'll be the center fielder and finally they'll have a center fielder and there there were all these roles where it was like oh here's who he's gonna be and it just kind of hit me all at once that that's gotta be the wrong way to be thinking about nico horner on this team and frankly a lot of guys on this team going forward um i like i wrote a longer piece on this topic. And I likened it to uh, someone asked me recently, what's Alec Mills role going to be on the Cubs going forward? And you know, my response is I put him in this, a similar bucket to Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson as guys who have demonstrated that they almost certainly will have a role on the 2022 Cubs, maybe a little bit of up and down, but, but they're going to contribute, but, we can't say for sure what that's what specifically that role is going to be. And it shouldn't impact anything. The Cubs do this off season, any opportunities that present themselves in the trade market or free agency um, efforts to fill up the rotation, because you you can't say, okay, these guys are definitely going to be starters in the rotation. And, and I, I now think we should be thinking about Nico Horner the same way that if he's healthy, great, he's on the team. He's going to contribute in some way. His versatility is a benefit and should be used as a benefit in allowing him to move around. But his presence at this point just can't dictate what the Cubs do in free agency it, or trade. Like it just can't. And that isn't a knock on Nico Horner, whose upside I think is still significant enough to be an everyday regular in the big leagues. But given how little experience we have from him, given how little time he's had to show that his particular skill set will play over 162 games, much less a chance to show he can start defensively at shortstop in the big leagues. I, I think you have to regard him as, yeah, he's a guy who'll be on the team, but we're going to see what else we might do, and we'll coordinate him after that. And um, that's something I hadn't been thinking, but I think I'm there now, and I'm curious your guys' thoughts on that topic as it relates to Horner specifically, or as it relates to a lot of guys right now that you might say, yeah, I think he's a guy to be on the team, but like it just shouldn't close any doors for what they plan to do otherwise.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, specifically with Horner, just look at, I believe he was drafted and then maybe two or three weeks afterwards, he was, his season ended because, uh, was it a broken wrist, something with the hand or yeah, the so wrist or the hand arm? or
1: elbow, something like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah and then, uh, Something similar happened in 19. I don't remember the exact injury, but he missed part of 19 before be, like coming up uh, towards the end of the season and then being called up off the couch uh, to play in the majors in September uh, because all their shortstops were hurt. And now this season, we've gotten two muscle injuries, right? Uh, I don't know if there was anything in 2020. He's, but...
1: had, he's had three this year. Is it three? Yeah, he had the hamstring, obviously pretty good hamstring strain. He's had the oblique and he also had the wrist injury from the collision with Ian Happ in Cincinnati.
2: Right. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, that's just a lot. And early on in a career, uh, some of them you can say that's randomness. Uh, The muscle injuries are concerning. Uh, Muscle injuries always concern me. Multiple muscle injuries. A guy that uh, put on a lot of good weight, uh, trying to learn best how to carry that weight and and work out and you know he has experts around him helping him with that and and i'm sure they're going about it the right way but it it has to be a concern it has to be something you look at it's not something you say like this guy can't be a part of the team it's just like it's it's another uh piece of information that you have to consider when when weighing different parts of the future I, i think this you have to say the same i don't know madrigal's history as well but i believe there are multiple other injuries other than just the uh the what is this a rip like a thigh flex, a hip flexor what whatever the exact uh torn, hamstr- injury torn was. hamstring injury is it a torn hamstring uh so and also another guy who put on uh good weight so to say and and maybe that body can't handle that type of weight uh you know playing the way these guys play i don't know like i'm that's uh, that may be unfair speculation on my part but it's with both of them you have to consider that it has to be stuff way going forward and you can't say oh no we can't go after carlos correa or we can't bring back javi baez because we have nick madrigal and and nico horner give me a break if if, i'm I'm not saying they will go after those guys they're going to be targeted and coordinated with their with their free agent moves and and try and get uh, under market deals they're not going to be outbidding the rest of the league on on you know five six seven year deals that's not happening this winter uh but they they will be spending money and and any if if the right shortstop is available for what they believe is uh is a deal that they're going to sign that person and not say well nico horner's here the guy that's played you know that that misses games every month and and can't stay on the field as our shortstop of the future. I I don't even think they'd say he's the shortstop of the future if he was staying healthy to be honest. They they can't do that. They can't look at it that way. He's got a average arm and and you know, he's he's a very he's a damn good second baseman, but you just can't go about business that way. You just can't go about evaluation that way. This isn't a slam dunk uh no doubt shortstop who is going to be playing that position for the next decade for you. Uh, so you get you have to consider every option, and uh, I agree. With, I, I kind of like how you put it. Like you, you go about your off season, Brett, and then and then Nico kind of works around that. Well, how how does Nico fit in after we make these moves?
3: I'd seen that too, whether it's on social media or the comments section to some of our stories of like, oh, we have you know Horner and Madrigal up the middle next year. Like, period as if this isn't perhaps the greatest class of free agent shortstops ever, and the Cubs have more financial flexibility than they've had in years within baseball operations. And the idea that the Cubs would sit that out uh, because of really any player at this moment is kind of absurd. And, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm piling on Nico because coaches – Absolutely love his attitude, his work ethic, his baseball IQ, his instincts on the field, off the charts. That's what Cubs officials up and down the organization say. Uh, Pitchers who pitch to contact love having him behind him. David Ross talked in Cincinnati about Nico's energy, even when he's on the injured list, that he's the one – yelling that I guess Kyle Schwarber had this running joke whenever they went to Great American Ballpark, and he'd scream like, I never leave Cincinnati without a home run. And when Ian Happ, who played at the University of Cincinnati, did that last week, Nico's the guy on the top step of the dugout screaming that. And the Cubs really appreciate all of those qualities. It's just that it's really hard to wear, like, twelve hundred innings a year at shortstop and I just don't see Nico or at least the Cubs trusting Nico to do that next year. And at the same time we've written this, we've talked this. The idea of like some stable core for the next seven years is not how the Cubs are looking at this. And maybe Nico's value will be in playing, you know, ninety five to a hundred games in center field at second base as your backup shortstop. That could be really valuable on a good team. Uh, It's just that, you know, anointing him your shortstop is just, not only from the outside is it crazy. We have been giving no indications that's how the Cubs are, like, looking at it. It was, sure, August, September, we'd love to take a look there, see what it is. But they were not, like, setting that in stone for 2022.
2: That actually
1: sets us up, I think, nicely to talk about uh, something you just wrote, Mooney, with the Rockies in town. That means Trevor Story is in town, which means there are any number of interesting angles to discuss. is, is, He is another of these impending free agent shortstops, but he's also an impending big star free agent on a team that is not competitive and that opted not to trade him away. And I think that was probably even more perplexing than any of the Cubs decisions to make the moves they did um, is particularly given that there isn't much of an expectation at this point that there will realistically be a, a, a new contract between he and the Rockies. And so I think uh, you share it and I'll, I'll, I'll kick it to you to share a little bit more about it, but obviously he was asked reasonably so about, you know, what happens this off season. And you talk about the Cubs as, as a potential team. And I think he had a lot of very interesting things to say um, about the organization, which I think we should talk about in a general sense. And then I think let's talk a little bit about him specifically, because I think there's some interesting contours to him as a potential free agent target. So yeah. What, what did, what did he say, Patrick? Well, he said
3: Wrigley field is a very, special place we talked about uh the 2018 wild card game and how electric that atmosphere was and he's like you know that's why you play baseball to be in that type of atmosphere and experience the postseason um it was I thought it was interesting that you know he has no personal connections or close ones at least to cubs personnel, no family ties to Chicago. So this is not like a, uh, John Lester situation. Uh, I, to Sahadev's point earlier, I don't see the Cubs going after any shortstop with in an all out pursuit thinking this is the guy that's going to put us over the top or we're going to blow everyone else out of the water. But Trevor story is definitely willing to, to listen if the Cubs are going to be serious about this and I, and I think he acknowledged it's always you know weird when you're in a, in a bargaining year and there's a lot of uncertainty about the next Labor Day deal that's just a variable both sides are going to have to deal with but you know I don't know if there's really a slam dunk scenario for like any of these shortstops. I mean, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces here. You know, some of this is maybe overthinking it, but there are elements of each player that might make you hesitate. And so, no, they're not going to give him a 10-year deal or a $300 million deal, but I think there's a a reasonable case to be made that the Cubs have to be engaged on every single one of these shortstops and see where it goes and be in position to pounce because there's no one on the major league roster that you can reasonably expect to handle the bulk uh, of the work at shortstop next year. And there's no shortstop prospects that are banging down the door, forcing the issue either. So um, you have a group of really accomplished all-star shortstops who are under the age of 30. So they – you're checking a lot of boxes here at a time when you have a lot of flexibility and just huge openings on the roster. And so uh travel story will definitely pick up the phone. If Jed call or David Ross call this winter.
2: I, uh- there's this, uh, just like the, we have Nick Madrigal and Nico Horner. We don't need any up the middle, uh, infielders, uh, fan base uh, section of the fan base. There's the nobody, no good free agents going to come to the Cubs. Why would they do that? The Cubs are terrible. The, uh, uh, ownership hasn't shown a commitment to spending, you know, yes, they haven't spent aggressively the past few off seasons, uh, but this team has won a lot of games and it's the Chicago Cubs. I think Patrick, you know, what Patrick just said, that Trevor story said, that's real. Like people, people feel that there, there's something special about Wrigley Field. The fans show up uh, when it's good. It's, you know, there's nothing's going to beat the Cubs in this city outside of, you know, a Justin Fields led Bears team. Uh, there's just not much uh, bigger as sports wise in this city. So I. I get it. Fans are frustrated, and that's how they're uh, releasing their frustration, but it's not real. It's not a thing. They spend – if they're going to be aggressive with the money, they will come. Very rarely do you hear about, uh, I had three offers better than that, but those teams don't win. Uh, Players go where the most money is, okay? So if the Cubs are willing to spend it, they will come. Uh, But the reality is – they're, I mean, Patrick touched on it. I touched on it before. I think they're going to be they, – they need to keep uh, tabs on everything that's going on because what if the market doesn't – build? like, the market's going to be there for Correa, right? There's no doubt. He's having a monster season, if I'm remembering correctly. He's 26. Uh, he has – I mean, he just has a lot of skills that are very attractive for any any team that's looking for a shortstop. Uh but others, I mean, Trevor Story having some throwing issues. The numbers aren't great on the road. Teams may have those concerns. Can he stay at shortstop? Blah blah blah. Abi Baez is starting to the injuries are racking up. You know, not having a great offensive season. Corey Seager injuries racking up. Uh, so, so they have to monitor that. Is that going to be a one year deal for one of those guys? A two year deal for one of those guys? That's looking to rebuild value yeah, then you pounce. Like Patrick said, you need to be paying attention and on top of everything. I, I'm i sure Jed has told his pro scouting staff, be prepared for I need to know about every single guy on the market because we need to monitor every situation because the Cubs aren't going to go I, and I, don't, I just don't think they want to do this going forward, really. I, you know, uh, the targeted Mookie Betts type of move, maybe sometime down the road at the right time, but they are not – the way free agency works is who who gives me the best offer. So in the, – the reality is you're overpaying, right, because you're paying the most. So you're, you're always going to be overpaying in free agency. That's just how it works. I don't think the Cubs are going to be super aggressive on, on certain types, but the guys that fall through the cracks, the guys that uh, maybe don't have the market that they expected – they will be ready to go and say, "Hey, here you have playing time here, and you have a great opportunity." To, people are still going to be watching us. People are still going to be paying attention to the Cubs. They may say like the Cubs aren't a World Series contender this year, but you you're going to have an opportunity to play, and people will be paying attention. I know we're not paying attention as much attention right now, and it's hard, but uh, it's different if it's Corey Seager at short than Andrew Romine. No offense to Andrew Romine, but it's just it's just how it is, right? Uh,
1: can Corey so, Seager yeah. pitch? I don't think so.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, There's a, it's it's going to be an interesting offseason, and shortstop has to be a focus. Uh, I don't know if they come away with one of those big names, but it, I, I agree with Patrick. You can't go into this season saying Nico Horner's your everyday shortstop. I, I don't know how you do that and, and say we're, we've improved our team. Uh, uh, they're they're better have been a lot of other moves i guess if they would go into next season saying that and i expect and again i do expect them to make moves i just don't see the five-year deal or whatever Uh, a lot of a lot of smart moves or targeted deals are going to happen this winter and and fans may not be you know saying they won the offseason but they'll they're i think the best case scenario is hey here's some short-term deals and guys surprise and if they don't surprise reload at the trade deadline and and hope for 2023 because I I just don't you know I think that we we can dive into that more in the coming weeks but that's just the reality they face
1: yeah I, I won't go too far on that point but I do think it's important that you noted it in any of these conversations that while it is the Cubs stated intention to compete in 2022 it isn't the conscious objective to stink in 2022 I think the nature of the roster and where the talent core is in the farm system. And I include not just when guys can contribute at the big league level, but when they can emerge as impact prospects for trades, I think that's going to take a little bit of time. I think the talent is there. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. And so the reality is it, it, it feels harder to justify one of the bigger pursuits, you know, a Carlos Correa or a Corey Seager, type six, seven, eight year deal that, I mean, they're going to, they're going to be well over 200 million when the first year of that deal, which is always supposed to be the most valuable in terms of the contributions, because we know what the aging curves are. Um, it might not actually impact your standing much. You know, if you're not really pushing for the playoffs in that first year of the deal, you're losing a lot of value right out of the gate. And I get the counter. those
2: And those deals that's where the value is. Yeah. The front end of it's the at deal. the front end.
1: And I get the counter argument because we've said it before and it was, you know, there's been a time in the past when it was appropriate to say so the counter is, well, you can only get guys when they're available. That's true. But my gut tells me what that means in this environment for this team with this group of shortstops. It's that the opportunity is to kind of wait and to, and to be opportunistic and be ready and get a guy who knows? Maybe it's Trevor's story. I mean, they all really outside of Correa, I could make a pretty good argument that they all have warts that, that should scare you. And you could, I'm, I'm, there are some, I guess, injury arguments you could make about Correa too, or you could say that they figured out a new trash can to bang on this year. And that's the only way he's succeeding. I mean, you could craft arguments if you really stretched, but with the other guys and I would include Marcus Simeon in that group and um it, who's having a you know fantastic bounce back year this year, but he's a little older and it's just two great years and a lot of like, eh. so, I mean, again, all these guys, including Javi Baez, you you can make an argument that ah, he's going to be the one who waits and waits and waits. And then just the, the, the big fish get taken. And then a lot of teams are kind of like, you know, we'd love to have you, but just sort of not, we're not looking at a nine figure deal. And while that's that's ripe for risk, because you're kind of getting the leftovers in that approach, we've seen teams succeed with it. And we know that the Cubs value their flexibility right now. And like Mooney said, and like Sahadeva said, I just don't think, I think it it strikes me as correct that the Cubs aren't looking to like build this one core anymore. And if you are in a setup where you're not looking to build this one core anymore, those six plus year deals feel a little less urgent. You know, they feel a little less necessary that like, Oh, we've got to have these core pieces for a certain chunk of time so that when the young guys come up, they've, you know, we've got these guys in place. No, you just, maybe you just stay nimble every two years. And that's, that's easier said than done. You still have to be right. You still have to get those moves right. And um, that's where the onus will be on the Cubs to do better than they have. Um, they've, last two years, tremendous success in the bullpen, tremendous success this year with like fringe, AAA, quad-A guys, you know, bringing them forward and getting contributions from an Ortega, from a Schwindel, from a Wisdom. But what they haven't had a ton of success are those sort of medium... Deals, you know, like the what Jake Arietta got didn't work out. Um, Trevor Williams didn't really work out. And hopefully, now with a little more early offseason freedom, whenever that begins, by the way, because I'm not really counting pre CBA as the offseason, um, hopefully they can do better with their those targets. And then, relatedly, if they're going to take an approach with these shortstops where it's like, hey, it's such a crowded market. We know that some guys are going to slip who are good, who are really good, valuable players, but just this is how it is. Whenever there's one sort of sector of free agency that's this loaded, you see guys slip. And then maybe they pounce and they're opportunistic and Story feels like a guy who is going to fall into that group of potentially slipping for reasons. I think Javi Baez is too. Uh, and I could get on board with either of those in in reasonable moves. And so I, I look forward having more specific conversations about these shortstops because again the 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 main picture here is players are going to come to the cubs if the money is there they're not they don't have some manufactured reason not to come to the cubs and then two i don't think the cubs can justify sitting this out just because they have some guys on the roster who you could hope to fill in in the middle infield
2: they, i mean you mentioned the name right there but marcus semien is on a one year deal and he kind of slipped through the ter- uh, cracks this offseason this past offseason and arguably including Lindor he had he's having the second best season among all these shortstops we've been talking about right it's probably Correa than him uh and i i mean he's having a monster season it, so yeah you can you you have to you have to be smart about it and you have to have a little luck go your way and and it has to fall your way but I mean that's a great deal <laughs> for the Blue Jays right there in a year that they were trying to co- contend. Uh, so yeah, they, they something needs to go their way, and they they I think you know we keep saying it. Brett said it there. They need to be right. They need to nail some of these. Uh, you know, you talk about like Schwindel and and them getting like Ortega. It's like the, those would have been the perfect guys to like fill in for injuries if you're banged up and competing like a month of Ortega performing like that is exactly what you want in a winning season. And it, it kind of, it's too bad that they, you know, you need these fill in types that, that help you for two weeks, not for six months. Right. Uh, so it's too bad that they're getting these types of performances in a lost year. I'm glad these guys are getting opportunities and showing what they can do, but it's also like, who knows when they'll be able to perform like this again. Uh, and and you would much rather they be fill ins on a winning team than, you know playing out the stretch for a team that's that's fighting for a top 10 draft pick. I
3: think essentially all the shortstops we're talking about are under the age of 30 former first round picks with like top prospect all-star pedigrees and even Javi is having a down season. I'm looking at Baseball Reference, he's still a three-war player. Story having, you know, not the greatest walk season. 2.4 war season according to baseball reference like these are 20 25 million dollar a year players like period i mean that's why these get guys get paid cuz they can post up day after day after day season after season and pretty much everyone we're talking about in the cubs organization right now has not come close to proving that ever outside of Kyle Hendricks and Wilson Contreras And Jason Hayward. And to Sadev's point, the Jason Hayward contracts for guys who aren't offensive superstars, that's done with. But if you can go with the high salary on a shorter term deal, I mean, the music's going to stop in this game of musical chairs this offseason. And the Cubs are running out of old Boston connections and, like, you know, cronies from the Red Sox that they can sweet talk. And the discount for the chance to make history and end the 1908 curse is over but to like Brett said all along it's a really attractive place to work live play be with your family and there's no reason why the Cubs should sit any of this out this winter
1: all right I think that's a good good chat I think that's about as deep as you can or should go in late August on this stuff but it's also I think because of its relationship to internal roster stuff. Some of these sort of fill in guys plus Nico Horner plus Nick Madrigal. I think it's important to start teeing these conversations up now. And so uh, if you haven't read Mooney's piece on Trevor story, check it out again. It's not exclusively about Trevor story. It's there's some bigger picture stuff in there. Um, And if you want to read my uh, Nico Horner piece, you can check that out at Bleacher nation. i gonna have to scroll back a bit, but it's there. And we are on to Waveland's Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Uh, like I said, I'm Brett Taylor. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadif Sharma. We will be back at you later this week. In the meantime, shoot us an email if you like, onto Waveland at gmail.com or rate, review, subscribe, get our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.